Hello, my name is Declan Deneen, welcome to Checkpoints. This is a show about video games, the people who play them and the people who make them. Each episode of guests on the show talks about the games that have shaped their life in one way or another. Games that have inspired them, games that have forged connections, and games that have soothed wounds. Uh, very excited to welcome on the show today Ben Myers and Shukia Sugar Kimani, uh, the co-founders, creators of Niamakop, a South African-based video game company. Uh, recent, uh, the most recent uh, release is a game called Semblance, which is a, a really like super inventive um, platformer where you you literally kind of deform and and build platforms yourself from uh, from clay dough. Uh, very important distinction. Um, it's a really good like like as as has become a trend in the last few episodes. I'm really interested in speaking to people who come from different parts of the world because their journeys with uh, video games are, are going to be unique and ones I haven't heard before. Um, and Ben and Sugar are, are no exception. This is a, a really fascinating chat. And, and also, it's, it's a double act, which is always really fun to do because you have both of them kind of playing off each other. And, and they both come from very different backgrounds, like different places in Africa. That And the story of kind of them coming together, their journey in games, is, is just brilliant. Like, also, they're just they're such good company. Um, like, I, I kind of joke about how I'm bitter about uh, being old, even though I'm not really that old. Um, but you know, I, I speak to people who are much younger than me, and, and these are no exception. But there's there's something so uh, infectious uh, about their their enthusiasm and their joy, and their kind of almost recklessness, but kind of from a from a good place. I I, I find it a really inspiring uh, chat and just a, a really a really good time. It's a, it's a great episode. Um, if you enjoy it as much as uh, as I did recording it, then please do. Um, tell a friend uh, share it on social media rate and review on itunes especially rate and review on itunes it's uh, just massively appreciated and genuinely like really helps uh, the show find new people and and a bigger audience um if you if you really like the show then there's a patreon which is patreon.com forward slash checkpoints any and all donations are, are very gratefully received and go back into making the show as good as it possibly can be Oh, incidentally, um, because of uh, of Brexit, that that amazing idea that everyone in the country is behind 100%. Um, my Patreon payments are actually going up a little bit uh, because because of Brexit again. The pound is kind of falling a little bit, and since Patreon gets paid in dollars, you know, um, my my payments are are, are going up. So uh, so it's it's clearly a, a brilliant idea, uh, supported by facts and evidence that we're all very happy about. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can. You can email. It's checkpointspodcast at gmail.com or it's at checkpointshow on Twitter or it's checkpointspodcast on Facebook. It's very important to have consistent branding. Um, I will, uh, I'll keep this brief because this is a really fun episode and a really good chat. So uh, I will be back next week, as always, with a new episode and a new guest. But until then, let's get on with the show. We know each other that well yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone calls him sugar. Okay, okay. Well, let me let me start that again then. Okay, so for the sake of formality, uh, Ben and Sugar, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, if you don't mind, would you introduce yourselves? Um, start with Ben. Oh, sorry. 
I just took a, a mouthful of something. <laughs> uh, I'm Ben Myers, uh, game designer, creative director, marketing director of Nyamakop. Uh, I have more titles, but uh, not for this esteemed podcast. Okay, okay. Hi, I'm Shukia, but everyone calls me Sugar. I'm pretty sure when you read the description, you'll wonder how to pronounce my name, but it's just, just call me Sugar, it's fine. <laughs> I am the programmer. Uh, my official title is Technical and Business Director. So I handle the money and the code of the game. <laughs> so he does everything, basically. There's nothing else I do. <laughs> so and, and so, is it just sort of you guys in the in the studio, or do you have like other freelancers working for you? Uh, yeah, we've. Uh, it's just the two of us who are like permanent employees of the company. But uh, on the current game, we're working on Semblance. You've had um, uh, f like an artist working on the game pretty much full time for uh, eighteen months or so. Uh, also a freelancer, and then sound and music. I've been doing uh, freelancing as well. And then we have a couple uh, part-time programmers as well that we work with. But uh, we're the only sort of permanent members of the studio so far. And, and you're based in South Africa, right? Yes. See, I'm, I'm very excited about this because like one of the, when I started, like I, I, I will probably repeat this because I, I just did an interview yesterday with uh, Marty Barami, you know, who made Angare. And he's based out of Iran. And one of the sort of things that I discovered about when doing the show that I kind of I wasn't expecting to enjoy so much is speaking to people like from completely different countries who uh, because their kind of relationship with games growing up tends to be like really unique and different to a lot of the UK and US people I speak to. So I'm very much looking forward to uh, digging into the past with you both. So uh, for ceremony's sake, I'm going to start with the question we always do. Uh, I'll start with Ben as well for this one. Uh, ben, if you can remember, what was your very first experience of a video game? Uh, it's very blurry, I have to be honest. But I think it was either Age of Empires 2, uh, which my dad bought for 10 rand in Hong Kong, uh, 10 South African rands, which is like, I don't know, half a Less dollar. Less than a dollar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and brought it back. And they wanted me to play like educational games. So I played Age of Empires and learned about history. Uh, or I think, uh, I think I also played Contra on a bootleg whatever it was on. I literally, I, I don't think it was even a legitimate copy. So we used to call them TV games. So I think it was either Contra or um, Age of Empires. Two legal copies of one of those games. <laughs> How about you, Sugar? What was your first experience? Because I, I grew up in Nairobi, Kenya, and there's a lot of traffic there. And on, in the traffic, there, were, there used to be people who would sell like these, I would assume, on like Dreamcast knockoffs. Um, just like on the side of the street. So my dad was just like, oh, let's get one of these. So we plugged it into the TV and we had one of those cartridges. It was like a thousand and one games in one. Amazing. But really it was just like five games duplicated with different color palettes. <laughs> so so I, I remember, and they also had one of those like light gun things. So I remember playing Duck Hunt with my dad once, like just as we were about to go on, on holiday. And my mom's like shouting at all of us, like, let's go, we're gonna be, we're gonna be late. I was like, okay, cool, I just need to kill one more duck. But I missed, but <laughs> that, that was kind of my first experiences with, with gaming, with small little pixels across our CRT television. 
And and did it make like I mean clearly it has in the long run, but do you remember at the time it making a, a big impact on you? Was it like like did you know about games in the kind of vague sense of what they were, or was this like oh my god I can play with the TV? No, I think for me the uh, the that uh, knock Dreamcast knockoff wasn't really it didn't really it was like oh this is cool it was like ah, whatever it's nice, but it was when I got a PlayStation for my seventh birthday when I was playing like 3D games and I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> and what about and you, Ben? Oh no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Let me cut you off. Yeah, no, no, I was just like, and then I mean, I was just looking at my friends and I was like one of the first people in my school to get a PlayStation. So like, it was really big. But in my head, I just kept wondering, so like people get paid to make these things like that for me that's when i was just like this is what i want to do it wasn't the dreamcast it was when i was playing i think it was called medieval it was yeah, like a, yeah. a playstation demo it was on the demo disc i didn't have a game it was like a demo disc i would play like the same level like over and over again that's when i was just like yeah that's how do we get amazing. in on this magic <laughs> for me it was like kind of weird because i growing up in like south africa i kind of had this weird perception of technology. Like I never thought, I thought pretty much everything had always existed as it was. Like I thought iPhones had existed since the 90s and they just hadn't got to South Africa. Like I legitimately thought stuff like that all the time. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, they've been making like AAA 3D games since like, you know, the early 90s and it just hasn't got to South Africa yet. Like it was just kind of this weird perception about how games work. So, um, like when I was playing those games, I was like, "Oh, this is amazing, and it's super cool." But I was kind of always waiting to see uh, what would come from the West, pretty much. So I, I didn't really have a good sense of what was actually happening in games for a long time. Uh, it was kind of a weird thing, I guess. And like, so was there a, a significant delay in, in getting certain games, or, or were you just kind of like, how did you come across them? I guess I'm thinking, like, were they like things in school people would share and talk about or was it just like a thing your dad got as like oh here's a fun thing for the kids yeah i kind of like didn't get into games culture much at all when i was a teen so like the way it worked is my dad would go to hong kong and he would go and buy like tons of bootleg pc games um and then he would bring them back and those are the games i would play pretty much it was all the things my dad bought uh in hong kong and was it for himself or was it just for you like a, was it no like a it was, uh, it was thing? for me yeah it was just like he bought it for me and he just like he decided what i played pretty much and then i would come back and play through all those games and then i had a similar thing to sugar i got like a a game boy color with uh this wasn't a knockoff but i got like a a thousand games in one thing and it had like super mario brothers like that sort of level of thing so i yeah i only played super mario brothers probably in the like late like late 90s early 2000s or something it was yeah it was very weird so that's why my perception of what where games happened and came from was like really warped and twisted because had this like weird bootleg uh delayed uh, uh uh experience with most of them <laughs> that's amazing and it's actually quite surprising like like sugar you mentioned you were playing like medieval and one of your first instincts was to be like oh somebody actually makes these you know a lot for a lot of people i've spoken to they didn't have that realization for years it was almost like they were just this magical thing that you didn't even think that there were people involved so do you remember like why you thought that was there a specific reason you thought that like were you reading the credits or something no i mean it's just like 
a cake, like if it's baked, it's not like I thought it came out of nowhere. Like I was pretty sure someone put this together. Like that for me, that it wasn't. It it didn't seem like it was like the only reason this thing would exist is like if someone made it. So there's someone somewhere making this, and I want to do that. That's kind of just what it was. It just, yeah. I mean, for me, it wasn't like oh, it's mad. I mean, don't get me wrong. I genuinely thought this was magic, and I wanted to join this crew of magicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was just like, you know, there's someone doing this. Where, like, where, where is that? Where is that at? Like, how do I find them? How do I get in on this action? You know, I, I think that's that, a, that's quite interesting because, like, when I say people like didn't really think about, you know, thought they were like magic things. It was, I think, primarily because as much as people might have thought, okay, well, people make this, they wouldn't have known how, you know, because for a lot of people, you would have got like console games first. They wouldn't have necessarily known about programming, you know, and how that worked. Like, did you? Was that something you were exposed to, and that's why you would think that? Not, not at all, not at all. I mean, like, for me, it was, it was just that. It was just like, I know someone made this. I have no clue what goes into this. It's pretty much magic, and I wanted, I want to learn how to do it. And especially being in Kenya and where I was, like, it was just like, I didn't really know anyone who even did programming. My dad didn't do programming. It's just like, someone does this. I don't know where they are. But I want to figure it out. I want to like find them. So how long so did me, it take you to do that? Like, did you sort of get straight into it, or like? What no, not a no. So so the the story is it's kind of so I saw that, and I always wanted to make video games. Always since like I was seven. But in Kenya, there was no one really doing that, or like there was no. I didn't even know anything about programming. I, when we went to computer class, we played Doom. That was what we played. That's what we did <laughs> in computer class. And let me tell you how we played Doom. We played it as a co-op game. So what? one person, one person had shoot and spacebar to open the doors. The other person moved around because we <laughs> we all had to share like one computer. So we, um, so there were two people per computer. So everyone would be playing Doom. And one person would be like shooting and opening doors, and the other person would move <laughs> around. So like, that's how we made the whole assemblance. Sugar did the <laughs> typing, I did the clicking. And, uh, that's how. That's how so it was. It was always like that. And then I kind of just went through school, like, oh, this is a thing you want to do. Like, oh, I want to be an astronaut. You know, kind of like those like weird things where you don't know how you're gonna do it, but you just say that's what you want to do. And then when I moved to South Africa, someone told me like oh, if you want to make video games, you need to learn how to program. And then my school uh, offered programming. And that's when I started like making, writing code. But it was only uh, until I was just finishing university and I was like, oh no, I'm f I know how to code, but I'm still not making any video games. I should probably figure this out before I'm, I'm making ATM software for the rest of my <laughs> life. That's, that's kind of how I found like things like Unity and Ben and like people who actually made games and started yeah, my, doing it. My experience was like completely different. Like it's like Sugar's said he's wanted to make games for ages, but I kind of had game development punching me in the face for like my whole life, and I was just like, no, this is never a thing. Like. Um, I went to like a good private school in South Africa and in like primary school, they showed like in class, we, in IT class, we did Game Maker for like two years. And then I started, pro yeah, and I did programming 
when I was 16 for like two years uh, before I even left high school. And I never once through all that stuff thought game development was a real thing I could do. <laughs> like it was never like, even though I'd made games and I'd done programming, I was always like, oh, this isn't a thing people actually do. It's like ridiculous. That seems so like just, progressive with yeah. the game maker in school. Like how did, do you know how that came about? Um, I think it's mo uh, mainly the product of the school being so good. It's like one of the best schools in South Africa, um, like as a private school. And just like you, they're teaching you how to basically use a computer in primary school. So they teach you like office and stuff. And then I think the IT teacher was bored. So he was like, well, seeing as we teach them how stuff works, maybe we should also just, you know, try to teach them how to make games. And you just use drag and drop like Game Maker yeah. 6 or Game Maker 5 or something. And that's what we made stuff in, pretty much. Do you remember the sort uh, of yeah. stuff people would make? Oh, my God. No, it was all just like generic uh, clones of the tutorials, pretty much. It was nothing very interesting. <laughs> I mean, we were all like, um, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, sort of. Uh, Man, yeah, it was, That seems yeah. like an amazing thing for a 10, 11-year-old to, like, just as a, as a learning tool, I think it'd be amazing. Um, yeah, it was really weird. Like, I did that, and then I went to university, and we did a bit of Game Maker, and I was like, oh, I know how everything works, because I did this, like, 10 years ago or something that's amazing so so what what changed then what what was the moment or like was there a game that inspired you or a thing that happened that made you no, think, oh, it was, i'm gonna do games it was, it was like an accident to be honest like um i was graduating uh from high school and i had no idea what i wanted to do so i just applied to a bunch of courses and my it teacher told my dad that there was this game design program that was happening for the first time at um this university in johannesburg uh, so my dad applied for me, and he didn't tell me, and he just applied. He was like, oh, he likes games. And then, he, like, this interview happened, admissions interview happened, and then uh, I went and did the interview, and it was supposed to be, like, 15 minutes long, and it ended up being, like, an hour, because we were just talking about games the whole time. And I was like, oh, maybe I do like games. <laughs> and then I, did, uh, I decided to do that degree just for the hell of it, and I did it for, like, two weeks, and then I was like, man, games are amazing and i kind of want to just design games forever so that's kind of how it happened it just and that's when i started throwing myself into games and games culture fully it was only really after the first two weeks of that game design course in university that's amazing like wh what different yeah. paths you both had um just yeah. like to go back a bit briefly I'll, I'll stick with you for the moment ben like were there during this period like leading up to this point where you're like i'm gonna i'm gonna make games like are there games like from your childhood that really stick out as being sort of important or seminal in, in some fashion now you're, you're looking back? Yeah, totally. I think uh, Age of Empires is a big one. I like, I don't know why it always just stuck with me because it was like this, it was, um, it was always about this like purposeful play, right? Play was always really fun and enjoyable. But, like I know stuff about ancient history from playing Age of Empires. Like I know how the Aztec Empire, you know, uh, rose and fell. Um, I know about like, uh, William Wallace, I know about like Jean of Arc and all these things that I got like from playing this video game about clicking monks all over the place and catapults <laughs> and make ridiculous noises. Um, so I think really that game is always the one that sticks out to me because it was kind of this amazing, enjoyable, innate, fun experience. But it had this like, you know, inherent um, thing that was kind of external to the magic circle that you took out of it. Uh, so that always really stuck with me. I think that's the main one, really. How about you, Sugar? I think for me, it would have, I don't know, like, Metal Gear Solid what, for a long time was, like, my favorite game of all time. Like, that, that game 
had me hooked. Like I really enjoyed it. I don't know why. Maybe it was because it was like so complicated when I was playing it, but that was a game that I wouldn't say drove me to game development, but it was just something that was like a masterpiece. It's like you would play all these like difficult bosses and then there would be just like these cutscenes, like a movie, and it was just, it, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. So that, that would be a pretty big game for me, like growing up. What about yeah, kind like, of uh, like like looking back, you know, in retrospect? So like now, you know, you're both a bit more experienced, and you're certainly in terms of like designing games and developing games. Are the games that in retrospect you look back on, and you're like, oh my god, this was amazing that you know you would have not really thought about it as a kid. I don't know. That's, I don't, I'm actually like trying to. Gosh. I, I'm like I. I just feel like I'll just say so many cliche things like. Crash Bandicoot was something I played a lot. Um, but I, would I say, when I look at back to them, like in hindsight, would I be like, oh, that was amazing with like game design goggles and game making goggles? I, I don't know. I would just still have the memory of just playing a game and it's like, oh, this is super cool. Prince of Persia, Sands of Time was oh, also yeah. pretty epic. Oh, yeah. That, that blew my, no, that one, I see. When I think about that, because you could die and like the end screen came up and then you could rewind. Oh God. Right now I'm just like sunk in my chair like that. That was genius. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> that, 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 that I remember me and my brother, I think that me and my brother used to be like, we used to show my mom, look, 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 we can die and then rewind. <laughs> What's up? Another one was G actually GTA. GTA was also, actually for me, GTA was actually very pivotal because up until GTA 3, you'd play a lot of games with like a specific theme, like, oh, this is a racing game, this is an adventure game, and you kind of do like the same thing. And then I went to a friend's house and there was GTA 3 and I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, I can drive and then I can get out of the car do some stuff and then get back in the car, get into like a race and do different missions. That blew my mind, like the open world system. And I remember when I was trying to convince my, my parents to get me this game, I was like, guys, you don't have to buy me any other game because all the other <laughs> games are in this game. You can drive cars, you can like move around, you can do mi missions, you get houses, you have guns. This is all I need, this is all I need. Get me a PlayStation 2. And GTA 3, and we good. We're good. We're good. Don't worry. <laughs> Obviously, that wasn't the case. But I think GTA 3 for me was also, that was also a very pivotal mo uh, point for me for games. I think, uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I was just, I was literally just going to say, how about you, Ben? <laughs> Great. I'm way ahead of you. I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> um, I think it's a weird one for me, but I used to play a lot of sports games like FIFA and stuff like that. And I think it's kind of uh, gauche to say you like sports games. But I think, looking back on sports games they're brilliant like from a game design perspective even though the model of just like making a new sports game every year is a bit like awful like the game design in those games is so good and it's like a reason they're so popular with like kids and like teenagers is just because like the depth and the like accessibility in those games is amazing like it, they have such low uh, skill floors and super high skill ceilings like any anyone can play them so i love them um i think the other one was Final Fantasy uh, 10, like 
uh, I often didn't buy games. I used to just go to like um, like a Blockbusters type thing and rent them uh, when I got a PlayStation 2. But the problem was I didn't have a memory card for my PlayStation 2. And my, I couldn't convince my, I could, yeah. So I couldn't, con- and I couldn't convince my parents that this was an important thing. They didn't believe me. They thought I was just this kid, like trying to uh, scum them into like buying this more technology. So I used to go and rent Final Fantasy X like every weekend and play the first like six hours until I had to bring it back the next day or the se- two days after. <laughs> so I played the beginning of Final Fantasy X like ten to twenty times, and I loved it every time. And I got further and further every time. Um, so I re- always think back to that game as well as like being amazingly designed that I could play it that way, like a week between <laughs> playthroughs of the first three hours and it was still enjoyable. That's like a super extended version of uh, Minute, you know, that game that's just come out Exactly, recently? yeah. <laughs> Only it's just for the whole <laughs> I'm wearing, weekend. I'm wearing a Minute shirt right now. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, one of the things I find interesting as well about like growing up with games, because you're both... Uh, I, I don't know how much younger than me. I'd say you're both at least 10 years younger than me. You're both like mid-20s, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fine. I'm not bitter about it. Um, but certainly for me growing up, like games, especially like up until I was kind of maybe late teens, they were very, very niche, you know, and I, I was very much like I would seek out other people who were into games. And also when like the internet started and before that with magazines like that was kind of the the extended culture uh, so i'm interested just from like a different countries point of view like when you guys were growing up like was it um a kind of niche thing or was everyone into it and like when did you discover like a wider community like be it magazines or the internet um start with sugar um like i said like we used to play a lot of like computer games at school so i guess my like my community first of all was just like school and the class i was in and we would all play like at during computer class we would just play like we all we also played like the old prince of persia so like there was a lot of like the guys like we all played games but it was never like it never seemed like a niche thing and then when consoles came out, everyone had a console. One thing for me growing up is that I never had that PC um, gaming stuff. Like, it's like I think I, the first time I've gotten a gaming PC was last year. But before then, it was always console. And so in Kenya growing up, like, everyone had a console. Everyone had a PS2. Like, all the guys, like... Once you turn seven, like everyone had a PS2, we were all playing FIFA, we were all playing these games, we'd all like trade games between each other. Yeah. So it, it never felt like a niche thing. Like even when I go back, it's just like everyone just plays games. How about you, Ben? Um, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing. Like my cousin is actually uh, one of the main ways I got into games. Like he would he was super into games culture and he would like get consoles and PlayStation one. And he was the one who played like so-called TV games on his uh, thing. So he was like super into PC games culture and like reading magazines and stuff like that. So I kind of got into it via him. Like PC gaming is quite huge as a culture in South Africa, actually surprisingly. Uh, so it's really um, pivoted around that. Um, so I guess I kind of got into it from that. Like there's a, there was a big magazine in South Africa called NAG, like N-A-G. Um, and that I just started like buying every month to read about stuff that was coming out. Um, and fi- there was like uh, 
because uh, the internet was terrible in South Africa, they used to have these CDs in the cover uh, that had like demos and all this st- sort of stuff. So I used to play a ton of demos from uh, games. Um, You're really into like the opening of games, aren't you? That's like that's yeah, your exactly, niche. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> like. I was doing unboxing videos in the, you know, in the early 2000s. <laughs> um, so, but I couldn't convince my parents to like buy me this super expensive big PC gaming thing. So I used to try and play all these demos, and then every now and then I would get like a console upgrade, kind of like sugar. Um, uh, yeah, that's kind of what happened on my side. And so, like, in terms of like meeting people, like you guys clearly met at some point. So, so let's let's talk about that. So, when did you two first meet? Sugar tells uh, the story. But, so. <laughs> Um, so like I was saying, it's like I, when I was now like just about to finish university, I was like, oh shit, I don't want to make ATM software. Um, I started finding local like communities. And so first time I went to one of these meetups, uh, Ben was actually running these meetups. He was like, he would stand up and say, here's the community news. And I'm so cool. My name's Ben, you know? (laughs) And I would sit there in the back, like all this newbie, and I'm like, I'm like, damn, this guy knows his shit. Like he's, he knows what he's doing. He's just this young kid. He's like telling all these adults, like he's running the meetup. I hope I one day, one day, I hope I work with this guy. And so, like, a year went by. Went to a few game jams, and then I went to one game jam in Cape Town, it's another city uh, in South Africa. And he was he was there, and I'm like, okay, this is gonna be my moment. I'm gonna wiggle my way into working with him. It didn't work out. It <laughs> didn't work out. Then I was just like, all right, cool. I'm gonna like. So I went back to university to like be part of this game design course that Ben was part of, because I was like, oh no, I just want to be surrounded around games. And the whole time I was like, oh man, I really hope I work with this dude, because that was like one of my biggest reasons. Okay, not necessarily Ben. Ben is cool, but like just to be around people. <laughs> and then we made what would I, I made like a, like a fraction of what would become semblance. And he was just like standing there next to me. I was like, yeah, man, I don't know what I want to do for my project. I think I might want to do like levels for your game. And I tried to not be too excited. <laughs> <laughs> tried to not be too excited. I was like, yeah, cool, man. I don't know. We could we could work something out. But deep down inside, I was like. Finally, after all this time, to get to work with, get to work with this guy. So for me, that that was kind of my experience with meeting Ben. It's just like, hey man, what's up? We're, we all make games. To like, <laughs> we like run a company together. Yeah, Sugar was just another handsome face in the crowd, and until he proved himself, and then I was like, okay, yeah. okay, Sugar. <laughs> yeah. And Ben is quite huge, so like. His like stature in the industry was like was kind of like big, and he was big in himself. And I was like, "Damn, this is a big boy. I'm messing with the big boys here, right?" Oh man, that is a beautiful story. That is that is rom com esque. Yeah, um, it's like a meat cute. It absolutely is. Uh, so Ben, you clearly like you were taking the initiative at this point. So what prompted you to do that and like start this kind of community and start running game jams and things? Uh, it was kind of just luck, really. I mean, uh, when I started university, sorry to make you old, in 2012. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, this, the first year I started university, uh, there's a game festival in uh, in Berlin called Amaze Berlin. 
Um, and they started a Johannesburg version the same year I started um, game design. So pretty much this festival started happening every year while I was studying. So the whole South African game scene started coming to Johannesburg right by the university every year. So I just started meeting a lot of people and I was going to the community meetups that were running already for like one or two years. Um, and then I just kind of fell into running them sort of and helping run the online forum. And then eventually I ended up helping organize and do pro uh, program management for um, the Amaze Festival in Johannesburg. Uh, so it kind of just was like the story, uh, <laughs> like this one director says 90% of success is just showing up. Yeah. And that's pretty much what I did. I just showed up to every community event and made a point of it. Uh, and then eventually I was kind of the only person that made sense to run them. So I kind of just was going to a lot of community events. And so I ended up running them. And that's why I looked so impressive, even though it wasn't really impressive when Sugar saw me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Like, well, we'll talk about this a bit, the, the kind of the the industry in south africa because one of the things i've i've noticed um from talking to people on the show is how because games are now sort of so democratized and the tools are so open you're starting to get this thing that you you, you used to get in music which is there are like specific cities that have like their own feel of games you know like there is a, yeah. a specific type of game that comes out of new york that's different to, to london or, or johannesburg let's say so so like for you guys like did you does it feel quite new this kind of like industry in south africa because as far as i know there, there haven't been any kind of big publishers in the past uh yeah i mean there's there's kind of the way the industry in south africa kind of works is there's a lot of like veterans who've been running studios for like seven to ten years <laughs> uh and there's a huge glut of new developers because of the um the courses like the one I graduated from but there's no like people in the middle that have been you know running studios for like three to five years or something like that um so we've had there have actually been some pretty big South African indie games um like Broforce surprisingly is from South Africa oh uh, no way Geni yeah <laughs> genital jousting is from South Africa um Gorn the VR game is from South Africa uh Viscera cleanup detail the ridiculous janitor cleaning yes. up game is also from South Africa. Um, so there's a lot of like really weird satirical parody games that come out of South Africa and read as if they're from the West, um, but are actually from South Africa. Um, so the industry is very new. And I think uh, the course I graduated from, as well as Amaze coming to South Africa, as well as, um, you know, these industry bodies starting to form, all happened in the last like five, like basically since 2011, 2012. Um, and so it's very new. I think Partially also what helped spur the industry is Desktop Dungeons, which is also a South African game, won the uh, IGF Award for Design in 2010, beating Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> and then a bunch of people in South Africa who wanted to make games like, oh, wow, we can like actually make games that are globally competitive. Um, so let's keep trying to do this. So it's very new. And I think that's partially also why, like me personally, I've been able to kind of ride the wave to help run the community because it's so new and so fresh that it was the perfect timing to be entering the scene for both you, of us. You're a trailblazer. Trailblazer. That's, that's what you're saying. <laughs> there was saying. no was trail and then, you, and then you just came in and you set a blaze to what was meant to be the trail. I'm a philanthropist. I just wanted you yeah. to have time, Sugar. This is the guy I work with, man. So humble. 
And I was just, I was there in the beginning. I was there in the beginning and I, and I fostered it. But he really was, he really was. I think everything Ben said is, is true. I and wasn't I, part of it. I wasn't part of it. He's lying in the beginning. Only after four years or something. Then I okay, was, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, no, but, but I think that that is true, though. Like, sorry to get in, but like the the sense of it being like being on the crest of a wave, you know, that's certainly set the, the sense I get from the way you describe it. Like, did that was there ever a point maybe before that where either of you considered like, oh well, if we want to make games, we're going to need to move somewhere else? Like, because you you both seem to have a certain sort of pride in the fact that you're helping build this new scene. But did you ever yeah. think about going somewhere else? Uh, I, I I can't speak. Yeah, you go ahead, sugar. Yeah, no, I think for me, before I actually found the community, so, like, that was kind of what was, like, a big, like, hindrance for me, like, getting into the game industry, because it was just, like, it was out there. It was in America. It was in England. Yeah. Like, it's like, it was never something that was, like, around the corner. So, in fact, when I first started doing video games, I met, I met a guy who worked in AAA, who worked on the Uncharted series, like, really and i was like yeah, yeah you got to learn how to do c plus plus and all this <laughs> stuff so when i started making games like that's where i was started I didn't even start with unity or any of this i was like i'm a c plus plus i started making i pretty much started making an engine and then and it was just like trying to build a portfolio good enough that i would get into the game industry but then you find this community and then you find all these tools and you're like actually I don't have to go out there. Actually, I can start my own thing here. There's digital distribution, and it's like, and it's exactly that. It's like you're at the beginning of something that's starting out, like globally, indies becoming something really like uh, something that you can do from your house, and it's actually something where I've come to, like where we are now. It's like actually, you don't need to leave this place. We're in the perfect place. Everything's cheaper here. Um, and you can make games and you can make a living. So initially it was just like, it was out there. It's like, it was, it was almost so out of reach. It was a pipe dream. Like that's exactly yeah. what it was to me. It was like, it's like the people who get in there are like the bit, cause pretty much that's what they advertise like game programmers are the best in the world. And I'm like, bro. I just learned what a matrix was like yesterday, man. Now I'm, how am I meant to be making video games? Like it was just like this thing, like I hoped I would get to, and then you find the community and how easily it is to get into. And it like, it just like, it's a paradigm shift into the, into the way you make games. And like the way Ben said, like a mains Johannesburg came in and then you found these like really weird, obscure games. And it's like, Actually, games are not just Uncharted and AAA Call of Duty. There's like indie, there's art games, and it's like, man, you can do whatever. It's amazing yeah. because, like, with that kind of realization, then you know, and because there aren't, there isn't like an established industry within sort of South Africa. You kind of you have to just do it yourself, right? That that is the whole point. Is right, okay, we're going to make games, and we're just going to have to make our own company and make our own games because you're not going to go and get a job at ea studios like the next time over you know yeah yeah that's that's for um, me it was yeah go ahead sorry but <laughs> it, it, i'm just saying like that seems it's just, it's really exciting and kind of bold all at the same time like was it a sense of did you feel that like, like this is this is going to be great 
Um, like, yeah, it's interesting because me and Sugar kind of like entered the scene like a couple years apart. And I entered the scene when it was kind of nascent, just about to happen. So because of that, I never, ever considered the fact that I might have to leave the country if I wanted to make games. Like there were literally indie studios and there were all these indie game developers coming to South Africa. So I was never a doubt in my mind that I could make video games and stay in South Africa. Um, for a while, I was like, oh, maybe I want to make AAA games or something and I'd have to go overseas for that. But you had studios that were you know, doing amazing stuff in South Africa um, as early as 2012, 2011. And that's when I was entering the scene. So it was slightly different for me because I just never even considered that there was not a scene in South Africa before then, even though it was just luck that in that time I was starting to get into the scene was when everyone was kind of centralizing at the same time. Uh, yeah, so it was pretty privileged and lucky to enter with that perception like forced upon me and and so what kind of prompted you both to to sort of band together and, and form the studio like was it was it semblance was it like oh we have a game let's you know see if we can make the best version of it and set up a company to release it you want to you want to do the sugar or shall i do it <laughs> i don't even know where to begin because it's oh I'll start and you can finish. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's kind of like, it, it, it really was just like everything up until this, like I keep thinking a lot of our decisions have just been like literally YOLO. You only live <laughs> once. Like there was not like much strategy. We just kind of fell into it. Like we made this game and then we submitted it. Like we, um, presented it as like our final semester project. And then some guy who used to work in AAA was like, oh yeah, let's do it. And that's kind of where it started. And everything just kind of like happened as we went. Like we didn't know what we were doing. And all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, take it from here, man. Just like, it just kind of fell. Yeah, it was like this, this like ex-AAA guy, the guy Sugar had actually met before. He was like the, one of the first names you see on the credit screens for The Last of Us and the Uncharted games. The first thing he said to us when he saw this like shitty prototype with terrible art and not much gameplay was, you should make this into a commercial game. And <laughs> we were like, oh, okay. Uh, so we kind of started working on it part-time. And then, yeah, like Sugar said, we kind of just took it from there and found an investor. And then we found a publisher and we pretty much started submitting it to everything. And then we got into indie mega booth at PAX and then we kept getting into festivals at like you know left field collection and uh slam dance and then we applied to stugan and got into stugan and just kind of was like yeah yolo keep applying <laughs> yeah. to everything if you get it like, figure it out your enthusiasm exactly. is so infectious like it really is <laughs> it's, it's it's amazing so just briefly like like uh, if people aren't familiar with it like talk a little bit about, about semblance and like what the game is and stuff um so yeah, Semblance is a Clado platformer. We say Clado because you want to get sued. Uh, our <laughs> publisher recently told us we can't keep saying the P word because someone might be watching. <laughs> so it's a Clado platformer, but yeah, you know okay. what we mean. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of deform the platforms um, to make interesting things. It's kind of this game where if you can't reach something, you can just dent up the platform from underneath. And now the point you're jumping off uh, is higher so you can reach the collectible. So it's kind of like a meta game about the genre of platformers themselves because it's the first game where you can kind of deform platforms in a way to help you solve 
classic platforming problems. Um, so we call it the first true platformer because it's the first game where platforming is actually the verb because you're actually moving the, the platforms <laughs> themselves. That's very good. <laughs> um, well, Head of marketing right there. Head of marketing. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, talk a bit about, because I, I, I just read today, actually, about you guys going to Stugan. So did you both go, like, as a, as a team? Was that your first kind of overseas trip together? And, like, Stugan is a, it's a sort of game development lab, essentially, right? You get to go and stay in a beautiful place for a month or so and design games. Yeah, I think, so it wasn't, it wasn't our first trip overseas together. Our first trip overseas together was earlier in the year uh, GDC um, when, when we got a scholarship to do Train Jam. And then we, we did that and did PAX East. But Stugan was kind of actually the first time Ben and I like consecutively worked together in a room. Like, like we said at the beginning of the call is that me and Ben, like we work in the same city, but we don't work in the same place. So Stugan was this first place where we were literally stuck in this tiny room, really <laughs> tiny room, just me and him, you know. And, and, and then on top of that, we were also living in like a cabin together. So like we might have not gotten in there friends. There was a risk <laughs> that we might leave as enemies. But like that, like hot, like cauldron of like ideas and arguments like really was a big um, shaping of like what would what is Nyamokop and semblance today because it gave us the opportunity to like really iterate faster on the game design and really think about our business ideas in terms of where we want to take the company and the game and Stugan was this perfect like incubator that allowed you to work on your stuff free of like certain deadlines you were just given the space you didn't have to think about food and need to think about lodging you worked literally less than 100 meters from where you slept so it, it was it was a great bonding experience for ben and i and us and the game we really got to know everything <laughs> <laughs> That sounds amazing. And like to sort of come back to games sort of briefly, like did you, not just over the course of, of Stugan, but just as you've kind of uh, continued working together, like have you, do you, have you found you have similar kind of inspirations? Like do you don't both aspire to make the same sort of games or have there been arguments about like what sort of things to focus on or not? Um, tough question. I don't know. Gosh. It is a tough I think one thing we have going, and I, I normally see it with a lot of the students, we kind of have clear roles in what we do. It's like, like I'm the programming guy and Ben does the design. So I'm pretty, like sure there's like games I want to make, but I'm also pretty confident in what Ben wants to make like as a creative director. And he's nice enough to like, let me have some suggestions. <laughs> but, but, but I think we, we generally have the same idea of what we want to like make as a company, as a team together. But I would actually say it's some, in some ways there are games that Ben plays or maybe might want to make that I would never play or want to make. Like I'm not a big fan of strategy games 
at all like they just like confuse me like things like when people get like excited about into the breach and i'm like this is boring <laughs> you know in fact in fact like a few like months ago we were like kind of like spitting ideas of like what we might work on next and ben was like yeah man like strategy game so i actually spent time like looking into the strategy game and saying, can i can i work on this it's like it like it would have been hard, but honestly, I could get into it. Because at the end of the day, I just really like just programming new systems. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's my answer then. Or what would you I say? Think it, yeah, I think it's like the clear roles are really true. Like we have very clear roles, but they're also like very loose. It's kind of like this weird thing where we say, we know these are the rules, uh, these are the like um, roles, but we both like... Uh, do a lot of stuff that intersects on those roles. Like Sugar's made design decisions, tons of little design decisions in the game and big ones that made the game much better. And I've programmed a lot of terrible code that it's too late to take out now, so we have, we're stuck with it. So yeah. um, there's a lot of stuff like that. And I think it's just about like trusting each other's high-level um, like goals uh, in the project at the same time as knowing that if you had to, you could be like, no this doesn't work, we should take this out because I veto this decision or whatever. Yeah, um, I, think so it, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would also say it's like a lot of it is communication because yeah. you, you just got to be clear. It's like, yeah, man, I'm not feeling this. And it's like, it gives like both parties be like, this is why I think this and you artic articulate certain reasons. So there's like a very clear discussion. So it's not like, I don't think this sucks. And it's like, oh yeah but I don't care. This is the way it's going to be. It's like you, yeah. you both have to like, you know, like communicate like why you think certain things. And at the end of the day, we haven't had anything too game, game crucial that we don't, <laughs> that we don't agree on. Yeah. I think we also just always play test. Like if we have an argument, always the like flippant, angry end to the argument is, okay, well, we've got test and play testing. That's like always the last uh, <laughs> like markers. Like, Okay, if we can't agree on it, then we play test it and see who wins. <laughs> but that that's it's quite interesting. Like I, I spoke to um, Justin and Matthew from Subset Games who, who made Into the Breach, and they were one of the only uh, sort of other or one of the few other kind of duos that I've spoken to. And there's something quite interesting, I think, about that kind of relationship, like specifically because you kind of have you know for for a sole created game, you, it's literally just one person's vision and AAA it gets sort of broader and muddy, but with the two people kind of both having a say in certain design elements, you get a really odd kind of, I don't want to say a child, because that's a weird thing to say, but you know what I mean? Like an, <laughs> like an intellectual child, like you have these opposing yeah. ideas and, and having to kind of argue your, your points, you know, is, is, is helps explain it to yourself, you know, if you have to make a specific decision. So it makes really exactly. interesting games, I think. It's yeah. like a tension, like absolutely, a tension yeah. that develops it. Like I've had to, I've like had these gut instincts about mechanics, and then Sugar's been like, "No, that's a terrible idea. Why are we doing this?" And then I try to explain it, and I can't explain it. And then I'm like, "Okay, that doesn't make sense." Then, yeah. Um, and then there's also like things that we completely differ on. Like I love reading a lot, and like text heavy in games and sugar just hates text in games so we ended up having like no text in semblance at all apart from the menus and it made the whole experience way better like 
it forced us to design like tutorials and levels in a way that taught the player like as they were playing the levels rather than like you know grotesque things so it's like that tension and those different interests in different things definitely helps make the game better and all projects better uh 100% cool um i'm going to take a brief aside to ask you both some uh relatively quick fire questions uh sugar i'm going to start with you for this one um if you had to play a game with death for your own mortal soul what game are you best at the floor is jelly i don't know the floor is jelly what's the floor is jelly it's it's a game um, where the floor is all made of jelly. Um, <laughs> in fact, a lot of like I was really inspired by that game when we were making Semblance, but I've played it so many times that I, if, if I was to bet my life on it, that would be the game I'd play because I'm also not a good gamer at all. <laughs> How about you, Ben? Oh, that's a tough one. I think it would probably be. Braid or Samurai yeah. Gun? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Actually, I, uh, I changed my mind. JS Just. JS Just. That would be... If my life was on the line, JS Just. Okay. I'm a okay. mean JS Just player from <laughs> ring flip-flops. Flip-flops. You better watch out. Uh, to be fair, I imagine that, you know, Death would be wearing flip-flops. If I had to choose a shoe that Death would be wearing, it would be a pair of flip-flops under the, <laughs> the cloak. Um, but still, maybe you've still got the edge. Um, uh, stick with you for the minute, Ben. If Has there ever been a game that's kind of consumed your life to the point where you've had to remove it from your system to just get on with your your day yes dota 2 dota 2 was consumed my life for like two years in university and i was at the point where it was addictive um and i either had to become a professional dota player or like remove it from my life entirely because i tried uninstalling like three or four times and i still always went back and installed it so i ended up like unfollowing everyone who played dota or like tweeted about dota and like unsubscribe from all dota channels i literally had to go like cold turkey it was literally <laughs> a sensation of addiction it was li- i literally describe it as an addiction because it was the same thing so yeah well congratulations for beating that thank you thank you <laughs> how about you sugar man i've never really had a game like that um oh. Um, if you don't, that's fine. How many yeah, hours do you have samplings? <laughs> hundreds. Yeah. Hundreds. I would, like maybe, I would, maybe I would say that. Maybe I would say that, yeah. <laughs> well, it certainly um, consumed your lives. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, no, I don't really have anything that's ever consumed me like that. Uh, okay. Well, Sugar, we'll stick with you. Um, are you particularly competitive when you play games have you ever been locked in a particularly competitive high score battle yes i'm very competitive but it but i'm not good so i always <laughs> do. I'm super competitive i have a lot of like like um banter but i'm not good <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> that happens but yes uh how about you ben uh i'm also very competitive but I kind of uh, reach the point where if I'm very, I'm better, way better at everyone I'm playing against, I start to like treat the game as a performance. So I perform to like make the most fun for the audience to watch rather than win. So it's like this weird thing where if it's competitive, I'm super competitive. But if I'm like way better than everyone else, I like uh, using the game as a sort of like a performative 
uh, thing rather than a winning all the time. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna need an example of that. Uh, like with JS Jazz, like I'm like really good at JS Jazz, like ridiculous. Um, like I can I play JS Jazz. Uh, you know you have the little um, handles that connect uh, the the move controller, and you can like put them around your wrist. Yeah, I can play JS Jazz with. Uh, just the hand, uh, that little handle on my wrist, and the the controller hanging down below, um, which is, just looks like ridiculous, right? Um, but you sort of like play the game in a way which is the funny way to play the game. So I'll I'll, I'll walk up behind someone and instead of like tapping the controller, I'll just scream really loudly, like a piercing shriek, and I try shock them, and then their whole body shakes, <laughs> and then they and they make themselves go out by shaking the controller too fast. Um, and then when someone's new to the game, I'll walk up to them with the controller right in front of me and lift it up really high, like to make a big my body really big. But it's very clear that they just have to tap the controller and they can go out. Um, so it's like this weird, like performative thing where you're just trying to like fool around. Um, to that make that the sounds audience... quite terrifying, Ben. I'll be honest with you. Because as we've a, already a, established, a, you're, a, you're a big person. I am, but I have a man bun, which reduces all fear completely. Okay. <laughs> um, has there... Oh, hang on. Can you guys still hear me, yeah? I just noticed the... Yeah, yeah. Weird. Okay, cool. Um, it's continuing with the kind of the the competitive level like as you've both mentioned you're competitive if you are prone to such things um what was your worst rage quit uh sugar <laughs> hmm i think it had to be in fifa i was just getting absolutely devastated i think it was like half time it was like four four nil and then someone just scored another goal and I think the, in like places I'd play games like that, they'll just be like, if you have five goals and nil, you just quit. You just have to stop. So before I even got there, I was just like, I'm done. I'm done. We're not playing this anymore. Sorry, I'm taking the con. And then like I think even I had the console, so I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm taking the console. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh. How about you, Ben? Um, uh, with me, I don't really rage quit so much as rage persist i'm like no we're not gonna leave until i've won so i just keep playing until i'm satisfied that i've won uh that's that's pretty much what i do i don't really rage quit that I, I feel like that's a coward's move sugar i just keep playing until i win no 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 i gotta leave with a bit of dignity <laughs> Um, well, on the completely opposite end of the spectrum, uh, is there a game that you go to for, for comfort, like a, a chicken soup game? Uh, ben? Oh, man. Chicken soup game. It's hard. Uh, it used to be Dota. It really used to be Dota 2, and then I stopped doing that. Um, I think the game I do that for is... It's not really a game so much as like a genre. I love just like going onto itch.io itch or something like that and looking for like really experimental indie games that just like like inspire me and they just like if you're feeling down or tired they just like fill you, you they put your brain on fire like you just get so inspired with so many different ideas by this tiny little creative 10 minute thing that someone's made that everything else just burns through your brain um, but I think uh, in terms of that sensation I, I'm way I use film way more for that, like to just okay. sort of relax myself. Uh, yeah. How about you, Sugar? 
The floor is jelly. <laughs> Man, I love that game, guys. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, it's just so soothing. It's the music. It's really the music. Oh, it's just, you just sit there. It looks pretty. It, the music is so soothing. And I just, like, play it. I've never even yeah. heard of it. I'm going to have to seek that out. That's, uh, that's, our that's our marketing plan, is no one's heard of Floyd's Chili, which is an amazing <laughs> game. It's an amazing game. Uh, it's like both Me and Sugar is one of our favorite games ever, but like no one's heard of it, and it's a travesty. Well, they have now. Um, they have. Final question for this section. Um, ben, one of the rarest emotions that games are, are able to evoke is, is laughter. So what games have made you laugh? Oh, man. Uh I think like competitive local multiplayer games do that uh, and experimental controller games do that for me all the time. Uh, so, you know, games like Line Wobbler, JS Joust, um, there was this uh, but, uh, pug butt sniffing game that was pretty ridiculous. <laughs> um, like just, I love experimental controller games because they are, they're so ridiculous and so funny. Um, so those are always the games that make me laugh the most. These pure spectacle devices that you have to figure out how to interact with. And it's so funny and ridiculous and over the top. Yeah, I love experimental controllers. Yeah, no, they're amazing. There was actually, there's a, there's a show in Edinburgh uh, called uh, Games Are For Everyone, run by these uh, two guys, two friends of mine, called We Throw Switches. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, we know them. Yeah, yeah okay, cool. Have you have you had games on at Games Are for Everyone? No. Uh, yeah, we showed we we showed Semblance at one of the parties, I think, at some point. Has oh, Boxer no shown at one of those? Yeah. No. No. No, it hasn't. Not yet. But one of my favorite kind of experimental controllers they had that it was a, a hugging simulator, and I cannot remember oh, who yeah. designed it. And they built the buttons into a, a mannequin's torso, so you had yeah. to literally kind of hug around the mannequin. Oh, it was amazing. One of my favorite ones is bananas, putting, making bananas buttons. Oh, it's nice. <laughs> um, Sugar, game, game that has made you laugh. Genital jousting. <laughs> exactly. Exactly oh. my point. <laughs> you said, have you heard about genital jousting? I, I know the name, but I can't pi I'm trying to picture the game, and I'm conjuring all kinds of images. Where, but... where penises enter buttholes. It's okay, a penis okay. sports game. That's how it's described. But for me, it was like the first time I saw it. I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> it was before it was like 3D. It was like this 2D and it's like a penis that gets like, you, you get points by penetrating someone and being penetrated. You're like a dick butt thing. Oh, <laughs> God. It's a dick it's, butt. Yeah. It's a dick butt. It's a dick it butt. It's a like dick a... butt. I've never thought of it before, but you are a dick yeah. butt. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It, I couldn't stop laughing. And it was like at one of these parties. And I was like, oh, God, is this what games have become? I'm sorry. I'm distracted looking at genital jousting on Steam. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, like, to bring this kind of up to date then, like, um, how how are things? Like, how has running the studio been? Has it been as easy or as hard as you expected? I'm sure there's different elements of both. It's been, it's been hard. <laughs> it's, it's been hard. I know we make it look easy on the outside <laughs> because this, this is how we got to keep it, but it's been hard. I think for me, like, it's twofold. It's more like 
having the motivation to keep working on a game when you might not necessarily have the money to finish it or it's it's like we were like for a long time we were like always in this balance of like okay the game will be out in a month because that's when we run out of money or like oh no we got into this show oh no nintendo one and it's like you're not a hundred percent sure of your future and then you're and obviously because we were just starting out i was still staying with my parents and we're like oh man i'm still here i could be making atm software <laughs> making a lot of money but i'm here trying to make this silly platformer thing so i think it's hard like just staying motivated and like driven and yeah that's it's hard i'll just say hard yeah, yeah. it's hard and so but what do you do to what do you do to combat that then like are there specific games like like Ben? You mentioned you sort of go to to Itchio and just like get inspired. Like, how do you both sort of keep yourself motivated, motivated and, and inspired to keep keep working? Um, I find like I go to a lot of shows to show the game because Sugar's actually doing the hard part and finishing the game mostly. <laughs> um, so uh, I find shows like amazingly motivating. Like you're in this room for like six months and then you go to a show. And you're like, this game is terrible. Everyone's going to hate it. And then like 500 people play your game and like 90% of them love it. And you're just like, wow, that's amazing. Like so motivating. It's like this morale thing, morale boosting thing. And then press write about it and they say it's amazing and they love it. And you're just like, wow, maybe people, maybe this game actually won't be terrible and people will like it. And that's weird. And that lasts you like two or three months and then you're depressed again. And then... <laughs> um, I think in general, though, it's just about uh, like living an inherent existence instead of this like veneer. Like, uh, especially last year, uh, uh, I, we were just like posting articles and all these things that were happening at Amazing. But it was just like you know this grind on the game that was so intense, and we were just working on it all the time and weren't spending time with family and friends and like giving yourself time to you know exercise and stuff like that. Uh, and I personally just burnt out pretty much at the end of last year and it was way too intense. So I think that was just like a learning experience about your just your whole life has to be balanced to get to the point where it's it's you can be motivated in a more longer term sense because you yeah. have the balance and you're seeing friends and doing all that sort of stuff. So I think that was really important to learn. Uh yeah. How about you, Sugar? Like how do you how do you stay inspired? How do you keep going? I watch no clip and I watch a lot. I like literally rewatch like game dev documentaries because man, that, that stuff like gets my, that gets me going. Cause it's like, you watch things like game loading and you see like Trent, like hustle for like booth space. And like you, you watch like game jamming videos of like these people, like you admire, like, like, like shit's hard. Yeah. But, like if you stick with it, and I think we've kind of shown with it, like if you stick with it, work diligently, you'll get through it. So that's kind of, it's just like seeing other, for me, it's like seeing other people's success stories and seeing other people going out and getting it. That's what kind of keeps me going. Like mm. I love seeing other people, like I love seeing people play the game, but for me, it's more like the other people who are actually in the trenches with you or like who are like willing to like, putting in, put in that effort. Um, that's kind of like what's like been like, there's no ways like even like after a year, it's like, I can't just like stop now 
because I'll quit. Like, it's like, I couldn't quit. For me, like, the scariest thing throughout this whole journey was quitting. Not, like, finishing a game that doesn't sell or finish a game that, like, kind of sucks. It was just, like, not finishing. So the fact, like, I just had to cross the finish line because not a lot of people cross the finish line. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, what kept me going. It's like, you got this far. It's gotten tough, you know, but... It's, it's cliche, but, like, that's where the tough get going. You know, like, you just got to keep, like, eye, like, eye on the prize. Otherwise, yeah. like, it, it gets really, because it gets super hard. It gets super hard sometimes, and especially, like, to, like, wake up and then go work on a thing that you've already been working on, like, for, like, two years. And, like, it's just bugs now. And it's, you just got to, like, look at where you've come from and just, like, keep going. Yeah, just to build on what you were saying, Sugar, like, I think the thing about other people and the trenches is, like, so true. Like, this year, um, like, for the IGF Awards, like, we knew people personally, like, like as friends, that like, three or four people we knew personally that were nominated for IGF Awards and, you know, Game Developers Choice Awards. And... Like, that's kind of a weird experience to be, like, really happy for your friends that are nominated and also just be, like, those people are so close to us. They're, like, the yeah. same people. We're friends with them. They're making games that we love and we thought no one would ever care about. And now, like, they're winning awards and they talk about our games and they say they love our games. And it's just about almost this, like, proximity to these aspirational things you always aspired about. And now it's just, like, so close you can touch it like it's yeah. bizarre um i i would highly recommend a, a podcast called checkpoints to both of you for a similar <laughs> inspiring stories of game developers and that's totally true though like one of the things that i've um sort of come to realize that the more people i've spoken to is how how tight a community that it is you know how how, how much people share like it's more so like because i'm a writer i work in like radio and tv and film and stuff and that community it's i don't, maybe maybe i'm just hanging out with the wrong people but it doesn't seem quite as kind of collaborative and supportive and people are just so open with their their ideas and their their struggles and their thought processes you know it seems like a really healthy scene uh, for the most part yeah it is it definitely is people share so much like it's wild yeah. <laughs> Um, and just to kind of bring it back to games uh, for for a bit, like over the past sort of say five or six years, are there games that kind of stand out for you as being particularly impactful or inspiring for whatever reason? Uh, Sugar. Ooh, I was hoping you were going to go with Ben first. <laughs> I'm glad you can I'm... go with Ben if you want. <laughs> no. Um. Um. I would. I would say. Ooh. Games. I literally. I literally opened my Steam. <laughs> the thousands of unplayed sale games exactly <laughs> i'd say like a game like um goner um goner or yeah and i'd say goner or even celeste celeste and goner because they kind of i literally saw them when they were like just funny gifts or like they were just a prototype of pico 8 yeah and then they come out and it's like you meet the actual people behind the game and like so, the um, the guy who made Goner, Ditto, and um, and his team and the team, like I've met all of them, I'm tight with them, but I remember it when it was just a gif, 
when there was no publisher. Like it was just a funny GIF on Twitter. And then now it's a full game. That's like the stories where you're like, beginning. Not like, oh man, this game's coming out. Oh, they just announced it. It's like you can see someone like working on it. They get a publisher, then they get onto oh, and you're like, that's kind of like our story. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's like exactly the same for me. Um, except like it's more regional, I guess, because I was in the scene right when people started making games. Like I literally saw desktop dungeons go from this tiny prototype to, you know, shipping. And I saw Broforce be this like game jam game that did well in Rundare, but then ended up selling like a million units. And I was like, you know, um, drinking tequila with them out of coffee mugs. And now they have like a tequila bar or something ridiculous and three hot tubs, one of which is in gold. I don't know, something ridiculous. Um, (laughs) So I think the games that kind of inspire me are pretty much the games in South Africa that you saw from the beginning. Like they were just these prototypes and then they ended up blowing up and being like hugely popular internationally. And it was just this sort of vindicating thing where you're like, these are people that have had the same like upbringing in the same country and have overcome the same difficulties, you know, live, being in this country and they've made it. And that means like I can make it too. Uh, like we talk a lot about like representation and reputation is so important. Um, like even geographical representation is so important. There's not a lot of African game developers yeah. uh, going to GDC or in general, but like if you're in South Africa and seeing other South Africans be successful it like makes you realize that's totally something that you can do uh so those games are pretty much the ones that have been like seminal i guess but at least in terms of a aspirational uh motivational thing yeah, yeah. So don't stop until you get the gold hot tub basically exactly <laughs> um well i i think we've covered all sorts of good stuff if there's Anything that hasn't come up that you wanted to mention, um, please take this opportunity now or just let people know where they can find you online and find your games and stuff. Uh, you can... I don't have anything mentioned, so I'll just go on to the marketing part. Oh, you are it. the head of marketing. so We made it. Uh, you can find the game at semblance-game.com and the studio name is Nyamakop, which is N-Y-A-M-A-K-O-P. That's at Nyamakop on Twitter. Does that uh, have any I'll meaning? I'll tell you what. I was about to go there. Thanks for oh, asking. No problem. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's a portmanteau word uh, of two African languages. Um, Nyama means meat in Swahili, and kop means head in Afrikaans. So our studio name basically just means uh, meathead. Which is meathead. Yeah, meathead. Well, meathead. Otherwise, it would be uh, Nyamakopa. What? I don't know yeah. what you're talking about either. <laughs> Don't worry. I'll explain to you. <laughs> um, so I think from my side, I to tell the, the listeners out there, if you're thinking about starting a game company or just a game, <laughs> don't overthink it. Just start. And remember, YOLO. You only <laughs> live once. TM. <laughs> I'm a ninja Yo, my laugh is like a video game I main thing when I'm in the zone One player, one life in the market with a dog Yo, ninja, go! No fucking a down, I'm cutting down any one of my parts Trying to fuck up my game with razor sharp Political throw, start, get my flow's on horse Ah, wow, out of control, ninjas, go for fuck the roof 
Taal Raframs en taftaals met kop op kos Skraal Tellen hit triple seven at the ATM Straight family feast When you're living on the razor edge Stay sharp sharp rolling with the S-O-S High energy you never seen Zef so fresh On uh, when we mark check hard Death flows flex Yo we off the must Stuck not fucking the press We not lock the rest My style is UFO Totally unknown, you can't fuck with my new Zef flow I'm hard to miss, you can't do this, you can't do that You fucking new said so, I do it a lot Too hot to handle, too cold to hold You can't fuck with the chosen one I, 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 I want to knock your arm and lose